quickly. It's a draw! It's a draw! And then she gets it back! Oh, oh you're kidding me! And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield with you. B, great to see you. We've got a lot to chat through. We have so much to chat through, and we better not keep our next guest waiting no. too long. I know. It's not what we normally do, but uh, this guest is very, very important, a very high caliber. <laughs> a VIP. A VIP. So she goes straight to the front of the queue. She's a two-time world champion, a Commonwealth Games gold medalist, and now just a TV superstar and all-around great gal, uh, Catherine Cox. Coxie, hi. Massive wraps. I feel like I need to hang up now before I stuff this up. <laughs> the pressure is on. Uh, the pressure's on. Well, Coxie, the last time I saw you, you were wearing a toga uh, at Netfest. <laughs> so, have you kind of moved on and recovered from that? Oh, my God, that was so much fun with you and our mate Sue Gordian. I did see all of that over socials. That was very amusing. Did you? Oh, my goodness. It was so much fun. But let's get into it because it's not all fun and games. We've got a Constellation Cup that we are trying to get our hands on as the Diamonds. Um, we're heading into game four. How how are you feeling about the, the way the season, uh, the series has gone so far? Of course, Australia down 2-1 at the moment, but we do only need to secure one more win and we'll keep the, the Constellation Cup. Yeah, look, I honestly thought after the second one that we were just in the box position and we were just going to kick on with it because I thought what they really needed was a bit of a confidence boost after the two games before both going down to one-goal losses. Um, and they started well, but just it was such a still a really messy game from the Aussies in that second one, although they did get the win. And then so, you know, to have the one-goal loss again um, in the third test, I don't know now. I don't know what to expect from this last game because I thought also having home um, home court advantage would make a big difference to them. So good on the Kiwis. They're bringing it. They're making it interesting. Well, they are. And one of the main contrasts that I can see, there's a few, but is the way that the goal circles are operating from an attacking perspective. Long goals that New Zealand have put up across the series, 47. Australia, five. For me, it's a massive, massive contrast. And I'm just wondering how you're seeing that. Would you like, I mean, you you used to love shooting the long bombs too. How can we get a bit more variation in even where we're taking our shots from in that goal circle? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I don't know if the pressure's on in regards to percentages or whatever the, the shooters are feeling, but you know that all four of those shooters can shoot a long shot with ease. So I just I, I wonder why it's not happening, um, if there's been a direction just to, you know, work it closer or whatever's going on in that in that team at the moment. Um, but they've all got the ability to do it. The problem with New Zealand is is if they're not on fire then they can lose games. And that's what exactly what happened in that second test. It was 100% the shooting that was the problem in that game, um, where we saw, you know, when they're on fire and they're shooting those shots from everywhere, how dangerous they can be in that first and that third test. So, I mean, it is a, it's a, um, a tricky game to play, but when they're on fire, there's just no stopping them because, you know, what do your defenders do? You can't, um, you can cover the post fairly easily, but you can't cover the whole circle. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why I keep thinking with our shooters, you know, be more dangerous and be more powerful down there and put up those long shots. And, I mean, Coxie, as a shooting specialist, who do you think are the two shooters that the Diamonds should have out there? 
Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I feel for Lisa Alexander because if this wasn't Caitlin Bassett's 100th game, I don't think she would start her. She started her in three games and she's benched her three times. Um, and to me, that just raises questions around that particular combination and whether you should start something else and see what happens. But I feel like she, she's got her hands tied a little bit um, in this last one in Perth. You can't really leave her on the bench when she's going to play 100th in a hometown of Perth. Um, I would definitely have Gretel Tippett out there. I think she's outstanding. I was in shock that she got dragged the other night and she had no turnovers and no missed shots. Mm. Um, and she was the, doing the danger for them. But Katie Thwaites came on and did a ripper job. Um, but you've also got a... I think Lisa Alexander was smart in that she put the Vixens' front line on together at 1.2. Just, you know, in the pressure cooker of a game like an international... I think it's really important to have some sort of natural understanding. Yes, uh, just I agree. To fall back on every now and then. And that happened. Lizzie Watson, Tegan Phillip and Caitlin Spates. And it made a world of difference to them. It was just a little too late. Well, and that's one of the other things that has been a contrast is the, the changes that are being made. Again, it's Coxie, I love stats. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I'm always bringing up stats. So New Zealand have made basically five interchanges across the series and Australia have made 16. Yeah. How do you feel like those changes are working for, for both of the teams? Um, well, they're not, if you look at what Australia's doing, are they? I mean, they worked well in that second game. And I don't know, um, you know, we've been fairly heavily criticising Lisa since losing the Commonwealth Games um, because of the amount of rotation she was making. Maybe she just wants to um, that to be a part of the Diamonds game plan going forward, so she's sticking with it. But, you know, it's, it's not been working. Obviously, there's times that you have to make a change when it's just not going to plan. But, you know, like the other night, for instance, as I said, taking Gretel Tippett off, that was just had me scratching my head. She was the best on court. Um, and there's been some other random changes happening every now and then. I mean, for the most part, I think the Diamonds have had to make the changes. But um, you've also got to let them settle and get into the game too, I reckon. And as a shooter too, like if you go back to when you played, how much confidence do you get out of being in that starting seven and being allowed to stay on court that whole game and fight it out? And, you know, when you go through a bit of a lull, you can pick yourself up again and keep moving forward. Like It must be, for a shooter especially, quite important to have a set seven and know what you're doing. Oh, look, I guess it depends on the player. 100% for me, because I was a confident shooter, without doubt. Um, so being able to play the game out. But I think that's also a really big learning curve for any player. If you don't get to work it out on court as it's happening and get that, that, that chance to do that and that experience, how do you ever work yeah. that out? Um, being ripped off the court and, you know, and having to think about it from the sideline doesn't really help your case and get you to practice those scenarios. But again, you know, you get it. Like if Lisa's trying to win a test match and changes have to be made, they've got to be made. But look what Nolene Tuttle is doing. She's sticking with her team and it's paying benefits thus far. Well, one of the force changes, of course, was Paige Hadley, who is out with that wrist injury, which I didn't even see her get in that no. test. It was really strange when that um, news came out. Um, they they do still have those four middies there and, and a bit of flexibility, but how much of an impact do you think that not having Paige there had? She spent some time in centre in the first game and wing attack in the second. Yeah, I mean, I love Paige, and I think she's having a standout season, so I would definitely have her on. Um, you can't argue with what she did with the Swifts this season. Extremely unfortunate that she um, did a wrist, and as you say, God, what a tough nut. She broke yeah. a friggin' hand in the game and kept playing. <laughs> um, no one even knew it was happening, but it would be great to have her there, definitely. I think she just adds something different. But tell you what, I have been so impressed with Laura Sherian. She's so much smaller than everybody else. And you don't really get that until you see it on the international level. 
But she carved up Rory the other night, yeah. even... Um, and I think she started to get some tips towards the end of the game. But for the most part, Sharon just looked like she was free and undefended. Yeah. What about down the defence end, Coxie? Who do you think should be lining up down there, especially the start? Uh, well, like Courtney Bruce was Courtney Bruce the other night. She had a ripper game the game before, but she, you know, when she starts to get beaten, she goes missing. Yeah. Um, and she, she, oh, God, she did that in bucket loads the other night. And uh, do you know what, though? I think Maria Falau played her exceptionally well. Mm. She's very yeah. clever, isn't she, Maria? Yeah, she just, well, I think that, I think Maria is clever, but I think that came from Nolene. Um, she just screened her out of the action. So she couldn't go and fly at those balls down court. And that's where Courtney gets a backup and gets a, you know, gets a confidence from and really starts turning a, a decent game into an exceptional game. And she just wasn't able to do that the other night. Then once she's been beaten, she really just stops. Um, for mine, I think she stops trying a little bit. So that change had to happen. I reckon Sarah Cloud did a decent job when she came in. But Courtney Bruce, when she's on a game, can't beat her. Um, so that, that's a bit of an insight into what it, um, what's going on in the Aussie defence end. But, I mean, you, you've been out there in those pressure situations and you know, there's a few similarities between the way you played the game and the way these New Zealand shooters are playing. What did defenders do to you that made it difficult to get your, your eye in or to find the spot that you were confident to shoot from? Um, I think with anything, you just when the flow is there, you start to feel good. So it's just trying to stop that and trying to make it as disjointed as possible. Um, and Courtney got in Maria's head in game two. No two ways about it. You know, there were shots that she would normally just turn and drain that she, you could see her pausing and passing off. Very uncharacteristic for her. Um, but, so that's a big part of it is obviously the mental challenge. But I think you've just got to get as much disruption in as you possibly can. And whether that be a few penalties just to really start to get in, in the heads of the shooters, um, you know, it's probably not a good thing early, but it can pay dividends by the end of the game. Can it be anchor? <laughs> you, know, you know, I was just thinking then, I have visions of you down the other end of the court for the Diamonds and, like, when you were really rattled, it's because the New Zealand girls, like, knocked your headband down and you had to, like, straighten it up before you shot. <laughs> oh, my God, if you my band, I would be out of the game in a second. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so true, though. So I think that physicality is quite important and it might be some early penalties and being out of play, but... I reckon it gets yeah. an impact. Oh, it de- definitely builds the pressure and you've just got to yeah. do it again in that smart way so the umpires aren't necessarily picking you up all the time but, you know, you are keeping the goaler accountable for every yeah, single move wanna, they're making. And you don't want to be over-penalised and out of play too much but that physical nature, they, they're they not used to it. The New Zealanders no. are just not used to it. Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, I think, as I said, I think it worked well for Courtney Bruce, but Maria played her exceptionally smartly the other night. And um, how good is Laura Langman? What what do we do about her? I mean, in that final quarter um, in game three, she stole those two intercepts. Um, She just seems to get in the right place. And for all of her hesitation at times and um, interesting play, she, she just does what needs to be done in those big moments, doesn't she? Yeah, what you need to do about Laura Lehman is kneecap her. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. You can actually do about her. If you look across the last two games, she had the most speeds by about 20 more yeah, than the next wow. person on court. And that's with Liz Watson on court, who is the feeding queen in the circle. Yeah, notoriously high, but that is just her work rate. You know, we were commenting the other night in the game that she touched nearly every second ball. And if there was ever a moment that there was someone needed 
to go for a pass and there was no one available, she would just materialise. She just just worked her ass off. And I said that to her in the post-match interview. I reckon that she could have easily gone extra time had it gone that way and probably still run a marathon afterwards. You just can't stop her. And it's the smarts too, you know, she loves the big stage and the big challenges. And, you know, she would put her hand up to get that intercept and flip the game for them the other night. It was awesome. Now, we don't want to focus on the negatives, but if Australia do lose the Constellation Cup um, on the weekend, what do you think needs to happen? What changes do you think need to be made? You'd have to be looking at the coach, um, and I know that's a tough thing, but it's it's professional sport now. Um, and, you know, in any other sport, if you'd gone uh, um, as long as we have been without some good results, then the coach would be gone. Um and, I mean, in terms of players, I don't know that we can pick any other players. I reckon the best ones have been selected in this in this lineup, um, And I think they're doing everything they can to kind of get the youth through and, and make sure it's it's ready to go and take that next step up. But you'd have to, you'd have to say there's some serious questions going to be asked of the coach um, in this modern day of professional sport. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting times, probably no matter what happens in this final game, really. Yeah. So we'll watch with great interest. Coxie, do you think, that, do you like, the four-game series, or do you think it should be three or five? There's been a bit of talk about this. So stupid. It needs to be three or five. <laughs> it's been four since... calculating in their head <laughs> the at the end of the game. Um, I, I get it, just with the calendar and whatever, but make it three then. Don't, you know, don't turn it into four and then, you know, we haven't got time for five. That just seems crazy. But we also have had a week in between games. Yeah, that's this strange as well. normally happen. Yeah, it's a bit mm. odd, isn't it? So there's no reason you couldn't have had a midweek game and then... Um, you know, kept your Sunday one and just got it done and dusted fairly quickly. So I'm all for make it easy for the, the not so smart commentators. Yeah, you're for doing the all the calculations <laughs> for the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Coxie. Well, um, we I actually did want to mention this too, and I might do it while you're um, on the line because you had a very special night with one of the superstars of our sport, Liz Ellis, the other night. Oh, she yes. was inducted into the Women in Sport Hall of Fame at the Women's Health Women in Sport Awards, and you were up on stage, um, I think, presenting that award to her. And, you know, for... I, I think we're very lucky with the, the women that are involved in our sport and the great... Um, role models that we do have and Liz is right up the top so I just wanted to say how amazing was that for Liz congratulations I know you tune in Lizzie hopefully you're walking around the farm listening so (laughs) huge congratulations but it must have been a special night Coxie yeah, it was really nice, and the fact that I got to introduce her was even better. But let me tell you a funny story. So that awards night now is being televised by Channel 7, so it's very, very tightly to script into time because there's an hour for the show. Oh, okay. Classic Oh, God. You know what she's like when she gets a microphone. <laughs> yes. I reckon she was up there talking for about an hour. <laughs> getting the massive wind-up and everything else, and then... Mark Beretta at the end, who was the host of the event, came up to her and said, oh, Liz, you spoke for nearly an hour. The show only goes for an hour. And she said, God love her, Channel 9 said I could talk as long as I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's why she's so good. She's always pushing the boundaries, isn't she? She's always Just off the cuff straight away. She's she's an absolute one of a kind. Um, And, you know, kicking goals just forevermore. I'm so impressed with what she continues to do. And, yeah, well-deserved, without doubt. Very, very well-deserved. Well, um, Kath, it's been great to chat. I would always find time for you (laughs) too. And I know you squeezed us in today. 
So we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Catherine. Very much. <laughs> well, that was Catherine Cox. Always great to chat to her. Never shy of speaking her mind, that's for sure. And she had some pretty strong views on... Well, everything really, and Lisa Alexander included. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think we're starting to hear more and more of that, aren't we? Um, People questioning and the coach, and I totally understand that too. And I think the hardest thing from all of us who are on the outside is we don't actually know how it's all the inner workings of the team on the inside, do we? We don't know how that all plays out. But, you know, we've heard after the World Champs that there was going to be a review. We don't know what's happened with that review. Um, But you would think after the Constellation Cup, no matter what happens, um, that that review will continue or potentially become a bit more conclusive for everybody. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, that that is particularly about the, the coaching position. But, you know, I think that's just the where we're living at the moment in netball is that people are, are discussing things much more. You know, if you check social media, people have a far greater ability to give their opinion on players, on the structures, on the coaching, on the plays, everything. And so um, I don't necessarily think it's one area for me that's being focused on, but it's, um, you know, kind of a a wide-ranging thing that we are hearing far more now than we ever used to, which I think is great. I think it means our our sports become more professional. I remember (laughs) back when we played Sherelle, but all it was was – positive stories about netball, which was all well and good, but we'd go over to New Zealand and you'd play a test match over there and you could get ripped apart by your performance. And you know what? So we should. Like it should be critiqued constructively. Mm. And if you don't play well, it should be called out. If you don't coach well, it should be called out. And I think that's what we see in all the professional male sporting codes all the time. You know, the coaches, you're in a position and you well in AFL for example you paid very well to be in that position Mm. but as soon as things turn sour you also then have to cop sometimes very harshly a lot of media um, not for you and I mean it's probably hard to cope with but I think that's professional sport exactly how Coxie said it. Yeah definitely and I think it's you know one of the things um, that certainly has been spoken about in the commentary and widely is you know when when we're getting in a in a tight position um, that probably New Zealand at the moment are playing those moments better. They're able to get themselves back into the game. Um, there's, for me, a little bit of a worrying trend that we actually start the games really well. We were up 8-2 in that third match um, and then just let New Zealand kind of come back in to get a little bit closer and then they're able to overrun us in the end. And certainly um, in the second half, we don't seem to be as strong and able to finish mm. a game off. And what about that last five minutes? There were that many mistakes across both teams. And even at one stage, the camera crossed to Nolene Tarua and she was laughing. She <laughs> couldn't believe what was going on. Um, but you don't often see that at the end of a game like that and um, I mean you don't want to highlight some of the errors but I think there is definitely some kind of mental fatigue for all the Aussie girls in that they've had you know those one goal losses in major tournaments and now they're trying to find their feet and you can just see that how exhausted they are mm. and that's when you don't make the right decisions and you know I know Tegan Phillip and Joe Weston at the very end just made some silly kind of errors and not to highlight them but that was just you know the ones that stood out in the heat of the moment um, I think that is because everyone's so anxious when they've got the ball they don't want to be the ones that making the mistake rather than having that positive mindset where you just want to play the ball mm. and New Zealand because they're now used to winning they have more of that positive mindset. Just play it, just play it. And they're yeah. not overthinking every ball that they're passing. Yeah. 
And I think Australia in that last couple of minutes, they were all just overthinking it because they're so stressed and worried that they're going to get another one goal loss. Mm. And that's exactly how it played out. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, New Zealand are, are playing a really good possession game. And when you can control that, it, it actually, and I think the Swiss did a really similar yeah, thing. Yeah, they did, didn't that patience. Yeah, that patience. And, you know, in the past five games, New Zealand have had far more possession of the ball than Australia. They've just been absolutely controlling that time in possession stat. Um, and I think that, I don't know, there, there just seems to be that ability then. Uh, therefore, at the end of the game, when they do need to be able to just work it around if it's not on, when things are getting really tense and harried in the circle, they play it around and... They just seem to have that ability and it's a habit for them yeah. that they can keep possession. I mean, I'm not saying they don't turn it over because no. both teams have quite a high turnover stat, but they just are able to keep that possession better than the Diamonds at the moment. I wanted to ask you, we touched on it a little bit with Coxie um, around, you know, I know for me as a defender, I was much more consistent and a much better performer when I was within a combination that I was comfortable with. Um, and what is – so? For you as a shooter, how important is it to be connected with that goal shooter that you're playing with and have that understanding between each other um, as opposed to, you know, when you, sometimes you're in the Australian team and you just mixed a match with somebody else on court? What's more uh, powerful for you when you're out there at goal attack? Uh, certainly when you've got a combination. There's no doubt about it. I think, you know, particularly if I think about my time spent playing goal attack, um, if you know where your goal shooter likes to open the space, then you can drive into the other space that will hopefully draw a defender and open her up or you'll know where she's going to roll so you know where the space will be even though it's not there yet. So you get that understanding and you build it. Um, that's important in the goal circle, but I think people underestimate how important the wing attack, goal attack yes. connection is. And and as a defender, I, I understand how vividly. when that is so strong, yep. you can hardly break you it. You cannot. And, you know, if you've got a, a really strong wing attack who's, who's taking their drives and, again, in speaking from a goal attack perspective, if you can kind of pick where they're going to go when the ball is in certain areas, then you can, with much more confidence and definite leads and strength to the ball, just commit to where you're going. Mm. Um, so there – and that happens all the way down the court. I mean, there, there's lots of little pairings all the way down yes. the court. And, you know, at the moment there's not a lot of really strong combinations that have had a lot of time together. And perhaps you see that a little bit in those moments. I'm not sure. I, you know, it was interesting – to hear Coxie talk about Gretel Tippett and she's been doing some amazing things with her shooting percentage and her low turnovers. It is a very holding circle though when she's in there. Yeah, She does come in and take up a lot of space. And so that contrast with a Tegan Phillips style of player means that you will get movement mm. and you will get different spaces opening and the defenders happening having to think about something different, which is tricky, isn't it, when you're a defender and you have to adjust to those different styles? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why sometimes when they make the change, especially in that goal circle, you know, I think it's a smart idea because once the defenders are getting used to it, the holding shooters, you know your movements, you're getting hands to a few balls, you're getting your confidence up. The hardest thing is, is then having to change your game completely and play against a moving shooter, someone who's running around and making you turn your head a hundred times trying mm. to catch them. Um, so I think that's really important. Another question for you, and this is probably more for you with your coaching hat on. Just because it's someone's hundredth test cap, <laughs> do you have to start them on the court? 
Well, the answer to that is no, you don't. You do what's as, um, you know, this, there's a lot of talk coming out of this Diamonds group that, um, you know, it is about the team and what's best for the team. So um, no is the answer. You do what's best for the team. Now, yeah. I was I mean, just interested when Coxie said that, that, oh, she would she must have to start because it's her 100th. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not so sure no way. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting one to not start your captain though. And I, and I don't know. I mean, you know, Caitlin... Um, Bassett has been having some really fantastic moments in her game and then some others maybe not so much. I, I still feel like she's getting her touch a bit back from losing that time with her broken wrist. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, but she can break a game open and if the right people are around her and the confidence is there to deliver the ball, she can she can definitely still do it. So I picked the starting seven. We're talking about who's going to be starting. You? Thank you. I just wanted to make sure everyone was aware of that. <laughs> okay, so what's the starting time of Sunday then? <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> not so confident. Not so confident anymore. Um, I think definitely um, we'll see Courtney Bruce at goalkeeper. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that she did some really great work. And, and same with Joe Weston. I actually think yep. Joe Weston's been playing really well. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said before, a few critical errors at critical times, but generally she's had a good game. Yeah, and it's I mean it's an interesting one that isn't it because Amelia Ann Ekanazio has probably also been, been really one good. of their standout <laughs> players. But I have loved that contest. I really have, and I agree with you. I think Joe Weston has been doing some really good work there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure whether I might give Liz Watson a run on wing attack. I do like her in the centre, and that's what I said last week, and that's where I thought she would start. But um, yeah, I don't know whether I might just mix that up and either put um, Jamie or Ash yeah. um, Braz in either wing defence or centre or, you know, kind of that variation there. And in the circle, I think I'd still stick with um, the starting lineup that they had. Yeah. And therefore, Caitlin Bassett will get her 100th test, which is amazing. There's not many people There's who not have many done that, you. Bianca. Does that mean she now joins the Centurion's yeah, stage show? Well, well, oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Are there any more runs of that going on? I or? don't think so. There's none planned, uh, that's for sure. I'm sure <laughs> she's probably trying to avoid playing 100 games for Australia if that's a reward. <laughs> she have to do it. <laughs> Just so she doesn't have to do it. Anyway, I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I think that I would like to see actually Ash Braz have a go at centre mm. and Lizzie Watson go back to wing attack. Mm. Um, just to see how that plays out. Um, I think I really like Lizzie Watson as a feeder into the circle. And I think as a centre, she obviously doesn't have the opportunity to do that as much. But as a wing attack, that's where she can, um, I get, put the pressure on the New Zealand defenders with how she feeds the ball. So, yes. yeah. I But I, I think um, Gretel Tippett will start at goal attack as well. But I wouldn't mind seeing her back at shooter and Tegan out at goal attack. Yeah, at some I wouldn't stage. mind seeing that combination. We haven't seen that yet, have we? Because Tegan was in behind her um, for a short time. I can't keep up sometimes. Time. I know. I'm like, what's going on and who's on the court? Like, <laughs> good job to the commentators because that's a tricky one with... when it's chop and changing. <laughs> Actually, yes. Sherelle, I think all of our listeners need to know a random fact about you. Oh, God. Okay. Because oh, this morning. Yeah. I had to go to the dentist and that's not always a great experience. No. It wasn't too bad. But I always, whenever I do have to go to the dentist, oh, no. I always sit there and I think, remember when Sherelle used to be a dental nurse? <laughs> Every time you go. Well, I'm glad you're thinking about yes. me through that and horrible experience. I don't experience. think many people would realise that no. back when I first met you, that was your day job. That's, that away was my from day Medi. job. Yeah. And it was, I bloody worked hard actually at that job. <laughs> Harder than I've ever worked doing do anything else in my life. 
Ah, uh, no, I do not miss it. That was just prior to me getting selected into the Australian team. So it kind of didn't last too much longer Look. after that because Dr. Fennell, who was my, uh, the dentist that I worked for, if I had to go away for a tour for the mm. Diamonds, which is, you know, at times three or four weeks, he would just shut the surgery down because he, no he didn't want to work. He didn't want to get a temp in. He didn't oh. want to work with anyone other than me. Oh, wow. So I kind of started to So he had guilty. no income for four weeks no, because of you. because of me. I mean, he was. And you had no income either. Uh, no, that's right. Because you were playing for right. <laughs> Exactly. I had zero income too. Great. So that worked out well for us. It didn't last very long. I'm sure you're not surprised. Um, but you're right. There you go. There How you are go. the teeth? They yeah, looking, they're okay. They're yep. looking nice and bright. Oh, yep. All in good condition. I just had a nice clean. Oh, good. Well, as interesting as your teeth are, Bianca. I think we need to get on to our next guest because uh, we are very, very lucky to be joined by one of the Australian Diamonds uh, players who's been having a great impact through this series at different times. It's Katie Thwaites. She'll be joining us right after this. Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast. And as we mentioned before the break, we are really excited to have one of the Diamonds superstars joining us, Caitlin Thwaites. Katie, thanks for being with us this morning. No problem. Um, Talk us through what this Constellation Cup has been like for you because there's been some really amazing moments and some tough losses. What's the overall feeling for you and the group going into this final and really important game? Well, obviously with, the losses, it's been really disappointing. And, um, you know, we had a discussion about it earlier, having the one-point losses, having... Um, there's been three of them now in the last, um, you know, last six months type of thing. Um, so, you know, two can be a, a coincidence, but three the pattern. So, um, you know, we, we need to figure out what that is um, and be able to, I guess, you know, why are we getting ourselves into these situations and, um, and yeah, and try and really prevent um, prevent ourselves from it coming down to the wire. And, um, yeah, so I guess that's, you know, that's part of it. But also the other part has been that, it's, you know, it's been a really enjoyable tour with, um, um, I guess, for myself, having, um, you know, looking at, uh, at some of the different personnel that we had coming away on this tour, so the likes of Braz and Keegan and Laura Sherian, um, I guess bringing that um, age age average up a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, it's been really nice to, I guess, experience um, this tour with those guys who are, you know, a bit more mature and, and I guess, you know, really coming in and, and looking at what they can add and bring to this group um, with that, you know, level of experience. So that's been a, a really nice and, and fun thing to be able to kind of experience alongside with them. Katie, we know that, you know, you spend a lot of time training on the court, but as a team, I'm sure you spend a lot of time off the court, uh, you know, watching videos of the games that you've played, especially the most recent ones. Um, when you talk about what you what you feel and what you think needs to happen to not get yourselves in that situation where, you know, you're losing by one goal, what are some of the things that are being highlighted that you need to um, prevent from happening in this last game? Well, I think um, the key for us is, you know, it, we. I feel like there's been moments in the games where we've really been in control and, and should be pushing out the lead that we've got by a lot more. So, um, you know, we've, we've, um, we're turning over a lot of ball and there's quite a few kind of unforced errors and things like that that are... Um, that I guess have kind of crept into our game a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, but with a with a side like New Zealand, you know, if you if you've got a six goal lead and then they take it back to a four, you know, they're all of a sudden straight back in the game. So, um, yeah, we really need to be identifying those moments and being able to push out that lead. And I guess you know you, you can't afford to give um, to give the fans a sniff because they're absolutely um, you know they're going to take it and run with it. So. I always feel for you because especially in the last few games, it feels like you're thrown out there when the pressure's on. And I remember the same thing when you got to start against uh, South Africa in the semi at the World Cup. You just seem to thrive on that pressure in the most recent games. How have you been feeling out there? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, some of that that confidence and being able to get out there in those real pressure pressure moments, I guess, are, you know, that comes from just having a really clear, um, you know, role clarity, I guess. Um, you know, the, 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 the impact that I'm being required to make is, you know, it's really clear and it was great to have, um, have Max Anderson um, kind of, you know, prior to going on, she just said, we're lacking a bit of movement, like get on there and do your thing. So, for me, that was just right. I'm, I'm not sitting, sitting back and waiting. I'm going to mm. get out, get out there and just use my my movement and and things like that to be able to to change it up. So, um, yeah. So just having that really clear, um, you know, what's required of me to get out there and and do in those moments, I think it makes me a lot more confident to be able to um, get on and make an impact and I guess kind of you know take charge of of what I need to do out there. So that, that's some really great insight, Katie. Because I know a lot of people who are listening to us here either coach or or play at different levels and you know you do have different roles at at, at different stages and mm. so it's great you know hearing about that role that the coach plays in those moments. Prior to that, when when you are on on the bench and I guess you're not sure when or if you'll be going on. How do you approach that side of it when you when you know you're on the bench? What are the sort of things that you do to kind of keep yourself in a in a good mental state so to be ready when the tap on the shoulder comes? Well, I guess first and foremost is looking for any possible way that you can contribute to what is happening for the team and what is happening out there on court. So if that makes you know if that means that you're an extra you're an extra set of eyes for the people that are out there. Um, you know, I know Seabass and I both come straight off the court and look to each other, like, what can you see? What can I do, be doing better? So, um, you know, I guess there's a there's a small role of, of coach in there as well, um, you know, to, to being, um, yeah, just an extra set of eyes to, to what might be able to be useful out there on court for those that are out there. Um, and not only, you know, in your own own position, but different things, um, you know, across the across the court as well. Um, I guess the other part of that is really identifying, you know, really looking hard at what your opposition, your, your potential opposition and the, and the players um, um, that you'll be playing against are doing and whether they've got any tendencies that are, that are happening out there um, in those um, in those moments. So, yeah, I guess trying to keep your, keep your head in the game to be able to, um, to come on to the court and, and do what is required in the moment. There's a lot of kind of reading the situations, um, you know, when we need to go hard and maybe take a few more risks or when we need to be playing it safe and, um, and you know, and really, um, really kind of trying to knuckle down and convert and whether, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, lot that goes, a lot that goes into that. Yeah, and um, yeah, having that focus, I guess, is, is a real key. Really important um, because I, I'm assuming that at, at times it can be a little bit frustrating to not get, get the start it, or, or is it? Is it frustrating or is that not an emotion you feel? Um, I, I don't know whether it's frustration, but I, you know, for um, 
for me, this is, it's not a new role that I've had no. to play. It's, it's something that I've kind of figured out a long, you know, however many years. Um, yeah, so I, I think um, being able to, you know, it, it's an experience thing for me to, you know, initially I was probably, um, you know, really just want to get out there and I'm a bit annoyed that I didn't get a chance or whatever, but actually really flipping that mindset to what's best for the team in this moment um, and being that support, um, you know, um, yeah, trying to assist in any way possible and, and almost putting your putting your ego aside yeah. a bit, um, you know, to be able to do what is best for the team because I guess, you know, what, what we're you know, I guess a bit of a team philosophy is that we before me um, and, and really putting your, um, putting yourself and what you would like aside for the betterment of the team. Oh, and I totally understand that too, Katie, having spent many, many a test matches on the bench over the years behind uh, the great Liz Ellis. Uh, I had to like do my time. And um, we've noticed that obviously with this Constellation Cup, you are travelling with 13. And as Sherelle mentioned, we try and give everyone a bit of an insight into how things work behind the scenes. And so with that 13th player, we know Paige Hadley is out now, so there's only 12. But with that 13th player when do you find out that that 13th player might be you and then what happens and what kind of role do you play um so we've i guess you know and this has probably been it's um the evolution of that amongst the diamonds as well like um yeah there's there's definitely a it's a team of it's a team of 13 so this even this tour it's kind of changed to be a lot you know more inclusive because I don't know if you guys noticed but the the game when I was sitting um, sitting out, I actually still was on the court warming up with the girls. Um, so yeah, um, really being as as inclusive and um, you know as as possible because there's we understand that you know even when you've got an injured player and and in things like SSN seeing the role that Maddie Proud played, um, you know to still be travelling with the team, there's still so much that individuals can offer. Um, to the group, and so we're not ever wanting to discount the value that um, that individuals can play. Um, yeah, so whether you, whether you're out there on the court or not, we're really a, a united, I guess, thirteen. Um, and yeah, just um, I guess in terms of that notification role, the um, I think the lists have to kind of be in by a by a certain amount of you know hours before the game or something. So um, yeah, Lisa just kind of contacts whoever. Um, the person is that's going to be playing that role that game um, will you know have a have a private chat with them and um, give them some feedback or some reasons as to why and um, and yeah and then it's business as usual I guess getting ready for the getting ready for the game and just um, yeah playing whatever role need be it might be that you're you're filling up an extra few drink bottles or you know taking some stats in the stands and things like that. Uh, and on Lisa, we've heard she's got had some quirky pre-match speeches this series, <laughs> some poems she's pulled out. I don't yes. know where we read that, but <laughs> can you give us a bit of an insight into that and what Lisa is like before the game? Yeah, well, she's she's been pretty consistent with, I guess, her you know her pre-match speech and all of the you know the things that she writes up on the board and the you know this is what you know the umpires that we've got today and this is the capacity of the crowd and you know this is who their lineup is or who she thinks their lineup will be and things like that so she's um she's pretty you know consistent in terms of that and i guess this to her um yeah she's she's 
thrown some of that out the window and um, and tried to change things up a bit. I mean, we've, we're definitely used to Lisa being quite quirky and, and different sometimes and also wanting to challenge us to um, have things that aren't comfortable and... Um, yeah, so it's, it's been a bit different, but we also, you know, in terms of some of the, I guess, the intellectual side of the of what we do with our, um, you know, in our PA space and things like that, we're actually drawing inspiration from so many different places. Um, you know, so I know there was um, a thing that Mitch did about the, um, you know, we looked at schools of fish and the collective behaviour and things like that. So we're we're definitely looking for any places to be able to draw inspiration from and Lisa's thrown a few creative ones and, and poems and things out there this time. So it's been really good. Yeah, well, it's always good, I guess, to, to think about things differently. When um, when when you've been travelling around New Zealand, you're back in Australia now, it was a huge crowd, the biggest netball crowd Anywhere in the world this year, including the World Cup, uh, was that game in Sydney. Another huge ca- crowd coming up on the weekend. What was it like playing in front of such, well, I, what I assume is a pretty parochial Australian crowd? Yeah, that's um, it's one of my favourite venues purely because of, of some of those memories we had from 2015. Yeah, of course, um, the World Cup. Yeah, and um, yeah, um, I guess, you know, having such an amazing crowd they are all very much into their into their netball um yeah it's a it's an incredible venue um to be able to play and to have you know even in SSN when you play there a lot of the time it's you know the crowd's not been for me but when I was playing for Swift so you know it was um it was yeah I, I guess I um you know was was hoping that some of the some of the cheers were a little bit from because the Sydney crowd remembered the years that I spent at, spent at the Swift, but then I realised that Sarah Clow ran, ran on the court at the same time, so it probably actually just take it, just take it. It's um yeah, it's a pretty awesome um, venue to be able to play in, and I think it's you know it's a testament to how far netball's come in the in recent years, and the fact that you know just as a as a one-off standalone test match, we can get um, huge numbers and um, yeah, and have um, put on such an event like that. It's really great. Yeah, well, as I say in Perth again, huge numbers expected too. Katie, it's your last game for this season, Woo-hoo. so I don't know how your body and your mind are holding up, but hopefully you're feeling <laughs> still really strong going into this final game we will be watching with great interest uh bianca and i and whoever's listening from around australia we're giving you lots of positive vibes and hoping you can bring that constellation cup home so all the very very best and thanks for joining us thanks guys that was caitlin thwaites b it's always good to get a little bit of an insight into uh the camp isn't it and and how it's all tracking yeah it is and i thought one thing that stood out to me was i think it's great that when you are traveling with 13 that you know when lisa does tell the 13th player that they're not in that test match that you know they sit down they have a chat with you Mm. they give you feedback so that you actually go into that position knowing why you're in it and also you know what you can expect i guess going forward yeah definitely and also, the her role on the bench and how that information yeah. is flowing there. Yeah, and too. she makes a good point because you have to put your ego to the side and that's the hardest part. Like Especially when you've got everyone you know, texting you going, oh, you didn't play at all. Yeah, and, and I think you should be on. Oh, I probably, think you should be on. Yeah. And you've got to deal with all of that from the outside noise. Um, but one thing I always remember is different players at different times you were on the bench with. And we used, you always go to warm up with five minutes to go of each quarter. And you'd have some players that would be very serious and concentrating still. And then I used to always gravitate to the girls that would be mucking around a no, little bit. No, <laughs> no, no. Surprise, surprise. Shock. 
And so I remember at World Champs, I think it was like in 2007, and every time we went out to warm up, we'd have a half-court shot and we'd have, you know, like, I don't know whether it was chocolate or something on the line. That It was just to get us all up and about and, yeah. and energised and we all knew that we were in this position. We were all on the bench. We wanted the team to win, but we never knew who was going yeah. on at any time. Yeah. So I think it was like Pratt, myself, Nat Medhurst, and we'd all go out there and have our half-court shots just to start off the warm-up, just to keep it a bit lighthearted and then we'd get into serious warm-up mode. But it's oh, those like kind it. of times and yeah, that you cool. do actually need to lean on your teammates because they're the only ones that understand what you're going through. Yeah, that's right. Well, that, that's really interesting, isn't it? I like that. <laughs> While you were playing hard out there on the court, we yeah. were like, okay, whoever gets this in, you get a block of chocolate after the game. Oh, great. <laughs> Don't worry about us, guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Um well, B, we've got one more game to go we in do. this season, the Constellation Cup. We'll be back next week, though, because we, will we do be. want to come back and wrap it all up. Uh, we'll make sure we get our hands on someone uh, who can give us some more insights into, into how it's all played yeah. out. It's been one massive year of netball. I think we need to wrap it up properly next week. It has week. been. Give me a tip before you go. I'm going to say Australia by three. Okay. I still think the Aussies can do it. I've been tipping them the whole way along. <laughs> Haven't, hasn't quite come through me. You're laughing at me. Um, but I, I definitely think they can do it. Go I, Australia. I can, come on. Go Australia. <laughs> All right. We'll chat next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us again, guys.